0: The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. Singing that together is like a chorus. He talks about in Revelation a chorus of of voices singing out praise to God about how desperately we are uh, dependent upon Him and needing Him and looking to Him and I just think that's just so true. Like, how amazing is it is that we can say that together in community with one another? That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, this idea of, of being together and worshiping together, singing praises to God together, and just like how, man, we need that. We need that. We need to be with one another. We need to be bound with one another. Sarah and I went uh, yesterday. And uh, it was unexpected, nothing that we were really planning on. Got a random call, um, and it threw our rest of our day plans just in a whirl, um, at least for a few hours there, a big portion of our day. I had a friend call me, uh, so I can say this. I had, I, we had to do a hospital call, um, hospital visit with somebody, and uh, I can say that because none of you would ever know this person. But uh, they were friends with uh, some of our friends, and they're like, hey, this person needs a minister right now. They're in the hospital. Uh, they were my roommate in college. They're, they're, this person's telling me that, hey, I, I have this roommate from college, and we were, we were best friends in Bible college. And then she just took a just crazy right turn in life. Left Bible college, ran away. Um, so my friend here, her roommate, no idea where she went, the life she was living anymore, she just disappeared ran away from all of her community, ran away from her friends. Uh, she just took a huge right turn in life, ran away from Bible college and, and her entire community, faith community and, and family. And uh, and I guess they got a call last night that she was in the hospital, finally found her years later. She was in the hospital, and she had been a, a lot of consequences of a lot of bad life choices, a lot of bad decisions, Uh, this road that she went down, and so they said, hey, would you just, we don't even know what, we we really don't know much, we just got a call, Um, we, her mom got a call, so she called me, said, hey, your daughter's in the hospital, I said, what, my daughter, and um, so they sent us, they said, hey, would, she just needs a minister to talk to, and so we went, Sarah and I just went there, and uh, she wasn't really responsive, Uh, she had a lot of, I mean, she's blind for the rest of her life, most likely, and, uh, on the fringe of, is she going to live? And just thinking, like, I was just sitting there. Sarah and I were talking about it after we left. Like, man, what an impact this makes. Uh, Just running away from community, running away from, I mean, she just left everything. And and what an impact that makes. We were talking to the the mom showed up, too. She drove all the way from Kansas City, uh, got here. And she showed up, and I, we were there. She was learning everything, like, "Hey, your daughter's blind. Your daughter's bring of death, a lot of brain damage, um, all these things." She's finding all this out. Sarah and I are standing right there, and her face, on you know, the look on her face, stole my my mind. That she, you know, you could tell, like, heartbroken. Like, what in the world? This is my daughter. I'm going I got to run to this hospital room right now. We're we're talking in the hallway. She's got to run and go see her daughter, and so. I'm just thinking like how, de- how that demonstrates we need, community we need and she her daughter ran away from everything. She needed her daughter and, and she wanted to be there for her daughter and I'm just thinking what an impact it makes to not be in a community that's breathing godly life into you. That's pouring into you the love of Jesus Christ. Pouring into you the uh, the affirmation of him. And I just I was just amazed just thinking man how much we need to be in community. That's not to say that you know you you aren't in the church, well then you're just going to, you know, show up at the hospital brink of death like no, but I I think there is. I think it's pretty clear that we can make the assertion that if you're not in a community that's pr- pouring life into you, pouring Jesus Christ into you, saying, yeah, you're broken. Yeah, you're going through a lot of stuff, but Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ transforms lives, and he's there for you. If you don't have that constantly pouring into you, it's not a surprise that you would fall down such a, a trail. So I I just can't believe that Sarah was waking up in the middle of the night just praying for this girl. Like, May she find Jesus? May she find a, a community that pours the love of Jesus Christ into her? I just it just blew my mind. And you know, I honestly, the fact is that she isn't the abnormal. She's actually the norm. If you think about it, not not her extreme situation, but the norm of running away from the faith community is actually, I think, the normal. We started, I don't know how many months ago, starting up campfire groups. the little circles over there in the corners, if you're new here, you're just looking widely, have all these circles in the corners. We started up these campfire groups, just talking with one another about the sermon, about what was it that we just heard. I'm confused about this. I'm not sure about this. I'm I'm kind of wrestling with how that could actually be true. And we jump into these groups, and we start talking with one another, dialoguing, discussing. And we started that because we realized the statistic is so crazy how many teens, like one of you, graduates and then they just leave they graduate from high school and they also graduate from their church from their faith and they walk away from from God ultimately probably the church first thing that you can be have an individual relationship with God you don't have to be with believers when you do it and then shortly after your faith with in God in general ends up following short thereafter um so we found out she's really not the nor she she is the norm with that that it's pretty regular for people to walk away from community of faith and then thereafter completely fall away from faith in general and how important it is for community and so we were like we need campfire groups we need groups to sit down and to build community because I think there's really two reasons uh well one for sure undoubtedly every time somebody walks away from uh, the church. Uh, There's definitely one reason, and most likely it's both reasons. One, that they're not scripturally rooted. They're not rooted in what the scriptures say. They're not rooted in the biblical truth, the foundation of what the Bible says that God proclaims is truth. They're not rooted in that. Or else they wouldn't walk away from what God has built for them and speaking to them regularly. They wouldn't run away from that. So one, they're not rooted in the scriptures. That is Definitely for sure, 100% of the time, but it's most likely that they're also not rooted in godly relationships, relationships with, with one another, that, that they're not really being true, they're not being raw, they're not being authentic, whatever you wanna say the word is, they're not being transparent, they're not really living a relationship with one another. They're saying, yeah, I'm doing good, and you're really going home, and you're staying up all night crying, and, and you're freaking out about life, and, and your best friend in church, I'll probably put quotes around best friend because they have no idea what's really actually happening to you and what you're going through. Do you really have godly relationships? Do you have relationships that you can be raw? Do you have anyone in your life that actually knows about that addiction, about that struggle, right? Or are you living your faith alone? Is really a question. So I think those two things, if you don't have a scriptural base, if you don't have a foundation of what the Bible says and you don't have rooted in a relationship with people... Well, people end up leaving the church. Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why in the world God would ever let something like this happen to me. I don't know why. I, there's no way I can comprehend God loving me or loving other people because all these terrible things are happening. They don't have a scriptural rooting of what the Bible says about God loving us despite our fallenness, despite the world that we've created, right? And they don't have relationships with people. And so really we, why we built campfire groups and kind of establish that into our service, our worship time with one another, discussion, was because we wanted people to, first and foremost, have a scriptural basis. What is it that we are hearing, that we're learning? I want to hear the truth of God spoken to me, stirring my heart. I want him to be pouring his love into me, but I want it to be in the context of community. I want it to be in the context of people. Because I think if you are rooted, when you step out of youth, whenever you step out of whatever, whenever you transition, I think you are in a good place if you are rooted in the scriptures, rooted in God's promises, God's love for you, and you're rooted with those around you constantly reminding you of it, constantly telling you about God's love for you, constantly pouring that into you, affirming you, God's love for you. And so that's what really campfire groups are for, to affirm scripture to talk about scripture, to be based on scripture, and to be in the context of people, community, being real with one another. I, I, you know, I think that's actually a biblical model uh, of church. If you think about what does church look like in the Bible? What in the world? How do they do church in the Bible? I think that is the biblical model. If you look all throughout the New Testament Jesus with the disciples, he is raw with the disciples, he's honest with the disciples, and they're together, and all they're keeping each other accountable. If you look at Paul, he is constantly affirming the, 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 the scriptures, the Old Testament, telling other people about uh, the scriptures, right? But he's also telling them to do life with one another. Specifically, the entire book of Galatians, I, I was just reading Galatians this week. I love this book. Um, but all throughout it, Paul is like calling these people out. You're wrong in, in this. You're, you're doing this wrong. You're, you're not interpreting scripture right this way. You're, you're wrong. Because I want to affirm that you need to know the scriptural truth. You need to know scripture. But he's also saying like we're, we're together. We're together. And so I was just looking at that. That's all throughout the book of Galatians. And really, he makes them both pretty non-negotiable. You want to be a part of the church? You want me to be a part of the church? I'm going to affirm Scripture to you. I'm going to tell you what Scripture says. I'm going to tell you you're not living right, according to this, because we're going to be firm and founded on the Scriptures. And I'm going to live life with you. He's pretty non-negotiable. If you look at it in uh, Galatians 2, verse 9, he says, And when James... And John, James, Peter, and John, sorry, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and that they to be circumcised, and, to they, and they to the circumcised. My goodness, I'm sorry. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. So it's kind of interesting. Paul's kind of proven himself. To the church, the pillars, the, the main people of the church, Peter, James, John. And they're like, Yeah, like you, you can be, you're a brother in Christ. You are affirming what the Bible says, right? It was based off the scripture. We, we, we affirm that you are teaching the scriptures, and so you are part of the church. They gave him the hand of fellowship, him and Barnabas. Verse 11, it says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before, certain men came from James, and he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they did come, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcised party. And when the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I, saw, I said to Peter, before them all, if you, though a Gentile, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So let me kind of sum this up. So, Paul has proven himself to the church. The church says, Yeah, we're going to extend fellowship to you. You are a representative of the church, you're a part of the church. And so Paul says, Fine, if I'm part of the church, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to call you out, Peter. You're wrong. That's kind of interesting. It says, We we extended you to be a part of the church. And then the next verse, it says, And then I called Peter out because he was doing it wrong. It's kind of interesting there. I think that really just affirms to us that as soon as you're a part of the church, as soon as you're sitting next to somebody here and you're saying, I'm a part of the body of Christ, you now have a responsibility to be accountable for somebody. You have a responsibility to call them out when they are not living according to the scriptures, yet they are calling themselves a part of the body of Christ. We have a responsibility for accountability. And so he calls him out because Peter is you know, saying, yeah, I affirm the Gentiles. I'm totally friends with the Gentiles. I'm a Jew, but I love the Gentiles, hanging out with them. But then some other people from the Jewish party started coming over. And then whenever he saw them come, he kind of walked away from the Gentiles. So he's kind of being exclusive with them, hypocritical, really, saying, I love the Gentiles. Some Jews come around. He's like, oh, I actually hate the Gentiles. And he wasn't hanging out with them. uh, wasn't eating with them. It's kind of interesting, though, what was the one thing that he asked Paul to do? To remember the poor. To remember the poor, to remember the lowly, to remember the people that people normally look away from, right? But then he does the exact opposite. He turns away from the people that are lowly and people turn away from. And so he's just being hypocritical. And, and Paul, he's like, I'm, I'm extended a part of the church now, right? You gave me fellowship. If, I, if you want me to be a part of the church, I'll be a part of the church, and I'll call you out. I'll call you out. I, uh, and it, was, it was one of the pillars of the, it was the, one of the main guys, one of the main guys of the church. I, uh, I, whenever I first started youth pastoring here, uh, so it was last year, late summer sometime. I met with one of the other youth pastors in town, and uh, he was telling me, like, yeah, the, you know, like, this is kind of, you do this, you do that, don't do this, you know, and all these different things, you know, this spring, Springfield culture and all that stuff, and uh, just talking with me, having coffee. And, um, and he said, you know, hey, we're actually having a meeting with a bunch of uh, the district uh, individuals, so youth pastors and just a bunch of people, part of AG District, SOMO District. Uh, we're having coffee next week. You want to come? I was like, yeah, sure. And so and he goes, but when you do, I just want to give you a heads up. Like, when I went on my first one, I, I, I made a mistake. I, I, they were talking about one of these big events that we were going to put on, and they were just saying, yeah, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, and I was like, man, they have no mission statement, so I just said it, like, you guys don't have, a... and he, he apparently called him out saying, like, hey, I don't even see a mission statement here, how about we step four steps back and reassess, and apparently they all, like, kind of glared at him, and, like, he had to work his way back to, uh, to having a little bit of um, respect from them, and so he's like, hey, don't just keep your mouth shut about things, is really what he was kind of giving me advice for. But I don't see that as, I don't see that as scriptural. I see, I mean, yes, there's a way to do it, and there's a way not to do it, definitely. And it starts with the tone of voice and everything, right? I mean, like all that, okay? Um, But I, I don't think that's true. I don't think we should just shut our mouths. I don't think we should just stop. I think we have a responsibility for accountability whenever somebody around us isn't living right. I think we have a we have a call on our lives as the body of Christ, as a member of the body of Christ, to keep them accountable and say, you're not lining up. You're not lining up with the text. You're not lining up with what God has spoken to us. We have a responsibility for that. I, uh, I had a friend in high school, my, my best friend in high school, actually. And, uh, and he started walking away from God. Um. I don't know what year it was. Maybe sophomore, junior year, sophomore year, and um, and you know we we were Christians together. We were we were kind of trying to demonstrate our faith in our our school, and he started walking away from the Lord. Started living in a, in a wrong you know crowd. Started living with the wrong crowd and hanging out with the wrong crowd. And and so I I called him out on it. And I said, man, like you're not you're not living right. You're you're completely walking away from what. We affirm together is the right way to live. You're not living that way. And it was an uncomfortable conversation. And he didn't receive it well. And it really kind of cut relationships with us for a long time. We're still great friends now, though. Uh, we got back to being in a relationship, being, being in friends. Uh, but it was an awkward thing. Um, but he did come back later. He came back in a few years. not I think maybe a year or two. And he said, you know, actually, I really appreciated that you did that it was bold it was courageous it was uh but you know i needed that i needed someone to be a foundation somebody that would actually call me out cuz no one else was doing that no one else in his youth group that no one was saying anything to him uh cuz he was too cool and they didn't want to mess with the, you know the like oh i don't want to call out a cool kid and so um it's like man i needed somebody to say something to me and you did and you did and uh so I felt pretty good about that. But, you know, I, looking back now, though, I don't, I don't think I was right in, uh, in how I did it. I think I did call him out. I kept him accountable. Um, I, I said, you know, you're not living up to what the Bible says. You're not living up to what you should be living up to. But I did it in such a way that my heart was not in the right place. And that's really what I want to, I if I can yell anything in this sermon to you guys, I want to yell This this. That's exactly it. You made me think for a second. I did it in the wrong heart. I, I i said, don't live that way. And then I stopped and I, and I almost wanted to, and I'm being completely honest with you guys, being transparent. I almost was like, okay with him going, getting even worse and, and going down even farther down the path of living away from God. Because then I could say, I told you, see, I was right. And that was really where my heart was. I wanted to call him out because he wasn't living right and it made me feel good that I was living right and I was like, man, I can call you out and I wasn't, I didn't have a heart for him. I didn't have a desire for him to turn away from that. I called him out once to say I did it and then we just stopped and I wasn't regularly pursuing Just trying to say, man, turn to God, turn to God, turn to God. I just checked it off my list. I told him, called it good. And you know, I think that's part of it. We have a responsibility for accountability, but at the same time, we're supposed to do it in a way that loves them. In a way that loves them. And I I just don't think that we can I don't think that we can really answer our call to these individuals, to people that sitting right next to you. That is I'm talking about without doing it in a loving manner. Doing it in a loving manner. If you if you keep reading in in Galatians, Galatians chapter six, it says in verse one, brothers. And that's really interesting. I want I want to just stop there real quick. Brothers, he said. Twelve times in a six chapter book, he says the words brothers, because I think we become brothers and sisters in Christ. That is affirmed in the text and the Bible. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Whenever you become a body of Christ, you we are now like brothers and sisters. And those of you who have siblings, you know what a lot of that looks like. Um, it's a little messy. It's a bad, you know, like there's arguments. There, it's not. It doesn't look good. And that's just true. That's how it is. And you guys are all looking at it like, yeah, you know, I'm worse than most with my sibling, you know, but, but that's how it is. We're the body of Christ. We're a community. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And I want to stop there. I know I keep stopping. I think a lot of people take this verse here. Restore somebody in their in their sin, you know, in, in whatever their their sin is or addiction. Restore them. But keep watching yourself, lest you be tempted too. I think people take that like, oh, but if I'm tempted by this also, well, I'd, I get a pass. I don't have to. Somebody else can mess with it because, like, I don't want to be tempted when I'm doing it. That's not, he's not saying, well, you're passed. If, you know, you, you, get, you get the pass if you are tempted from that. No, he's saying just make sure you're even that much more rooted. But you don't have an excuse not to be accountable for this person. I think a lot of people can just use this verse and say, yeah, yeah, like, well, now I don't have to do it, you know, because it's tempting for me, too. No, just keep watching yourself, even more so. So he says, restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You do have a call for each one of the, every, every single one of you that's sitting next to other people. You guys have a call to not just sit there and not say anything to them about the way that they're living, about how you see the scriptures, speaking to them, talking to them, communicating that you have a call to not, not say anything. You have to say something, but it's also important that you say it in a way that's gentle and, and loving and building them up. I said, I said what I said to my friend in high school uh, to affirm me, to make myself feel good. That I said something to him, and uh, it was kind of a one-time thing. I didn't even care to keep walking uh, with him through it, to journey with him through it. I knew what he was struggling with, and I didn't, I didn't feel burdened at all to walk with him in that sin, to be there for him, because I felt good. I could just say, man, you're living wrong. Ah, see, I was being accountable. I called him out like I'm supposed to, and then we just didn't have a friendship we cut ties. That's not the body of Christ. That's not how we should be with one another. That makes people not want to say what they're struggling with. That makes people not want to say, hey, I'm struggling with whenever I'm alone and I'm looking at my computer screen because I'm going to lose my friendship with you. Right? That I was affirming to, my, to, to, to myself whenever I did that with him, I wasn't in the right place. I think we're called to call them out, but then also journey with them through it. If you read the text here in Galatians 6, it says, do it with, a, with, with uh, gentleness. And then the next verse, verse 2, says, bear each other's burdens. He's not changing topics here. Catch that. He's not changing topics. He's saying, to, to if anyone is caught in transgressions, you who are a spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, You should care so much about what that person is struggling with, with the sin in their life. You should care so much about being accountable with that person for what they're going through and, and getting them out of such a sin, walking them through, journeying them with them out of that sin to such a point where you as well are burdened for them. You are longing for them to be free from this addiction, not only are they dying, man, I wish I was free from this sin. Man, I wish I could break this sin. But you should be so much on their team. You should be so much constantly being in communication with them that you as well are just as burdened, dying for them to be free from the sin. That is the community that we're called to be in. I don't know how many times, and this is not a good thing, this is a horrible thing that I've repented about. I don't know how many times someone has confessed to me that they're struggling with a certain sin. And I counseled them one time and never checked in on them again. Never kept going with them, kept journeying with them through it because I was so busy, because I had my own sin I was struggling with, because I had my own stuff I was dealing with, because I was just loaded down with stuff. And so like, man, I'm here for you. I love you. Jesus loves you. I hope it works out. I'll be praying for you. And that was the most there for them I was. I'll pray for you. We're not called to just pray for them. We're called to burden with them through it, to journey with them through it. That's the call that we have as a community. We're not supposed to just be uh, accountable for them. We were supposed to do it in such a way that loves them and affirms them, journey with them in it. We're gonna be going into campfire groups. And that will be the response to this. And I I think uh, for some of you, that might be weird. Like we need the keys. We need the good, you know, feeling like, wow, now I feel the spirit. Like this is response to the sermon. This is how we respond. We sit down and we worship God through discussing with one another. I pray that, I pray that you guys would, be accountable for one another, that as we are looking at the text, as we're talking through the text, that you guys would call each other out, that you would be accountable for one another. You would say, you know, actually, I don't think that that's necessarily biblical. I don't think, actually, let's look at this. Let's And being accountable, but doing in such a spirit that is desiring for them to grow and to be built up and to be lifted up, based in the text, based in Scripture, not just saying, I think the text actually says this to me, and I actually think maybe that's what the text is saying to you, but like this is really, I think the text is saying this to me. No, the text is saying something, period. The text is saying, and that's it for all of us. So let's be rooted in the text, let's be rooted in the scripture for one another, but being accountable, but doing it in a loving way. I guarantee you that. Well, let me just say this. I, I know that there's a lot of times to hang out, to have fun, to joke around. And I love those. If you know me and we, we hang out outside of this context, like I'm having so much fun with you guys, I can joke around, I can laugh. That'll happen on a, at retreat, just a couple days. I'm gonna have the time of my life with you guys. We're gonna have a blast. We can talk about you know sports. We can talk about uh, having fun. But I want you to know, look at me, I want you to know that that is not what we're talking about in campfire groups. I think we can say, well, no, we need community. We need to just bond about things. We can bond, but it's going to be about God. It's going to be bonding about the love of Jesus Christ. We're going to, we can bond. We can grow with one another. We can, you know, become closer friends, but it's going to be based off of God's love for us. We can, we can have community with people. You can have community at a concert. You can have community at school, but this is a different community. This community is fully based upon and surrounded in God and affirming and praising God. And that is what this is going to be. And so whenever we get in our campfire groups, it's not just talking about the Super Bowl it's not it's it's not talking about the olympics that's going to happen tonight or or whenever I actually don't know when it's happening but that's not what that's not what campfire groups are are talking about because i guarantee you if that's what how you make campfire groups if that's how you will turn campfire groups into i guarantee you there will be somebody sitting in there in that group that's laughing along with you, that's having a good time, that's contributing to conversation, but inside they are dying for somebody to ask them genuinely, how are you doing? And to talk and to know the sin that they're struggling with. They're dying for authentic relationship and community that is based on this and is speaking life into them. You can have community everywhere based on all these different things, They won't show it, but I guarantee you, there are people here, and you very well could be that person that is dying for somebody to know what you're dealing with, that you're struggling with, and you need community. You need to know what the scriptures say, and you need people in your life that are reminding you of it, that are telling you about it, and that's what we want campfire groups to be. We want it to be a biblical model of the church, and we want it to where you don't end up walking away from what God has for you and as being a part of the church. So whenever we go into campfire groups in just a couple minutes, I'm gonna gonna pray over it and we're gonna be in campfire groups for a little while, extended time. I want you to take advantage of that. I'll tell you, take advantage of worship, take advantage of, of singing, right? Take advantage of this time. Spend time with God, just praising and worship. I want you to take advantage of this time. Be so bold as to admit your struggles, to admit your questions, hesitations, and talk through what the Bible says about it. Be so bold to do that, and be so bold to love the person that's struggling, to love the person that has those questions, that has those hesitations. Be so bold to be the person that speaks life into them, to be that community for them. That's what we're called to do, and that is worship. That is worship. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, God. I just pray right now that as we go into campfire groups, Lord, it's not responding to the sermon in a dynamic way where we have the music and we're and we're singing to you and but we're going into it in a completely different atmosphere. And it's going into it in discussion, talking with one another, but that actually might be just so much more intimidating and scary because we have to interact, and we have to be real, we have to be raw, honest. Lord, I pray that right now, as we go into campfire groups, that we would worship you as the church, that we would worship you in our community with one another, that it would be centered on you, on the gospel, that you love us, That you died for us, that you gave us a, the opportunity to have a relationship with you, that that is what all of our questions are going to, all of our concerns are based around, all of our hesitations are being brought back to. And Lord, I pray that we would be the individuals that not only are being honest about what we're going through, but we're the ones that are there for those who also have it, that that we could be those individuals that they could turn to and talk to and be honest with. Help us to be those people that can be receptive to that, to hear them, To speak life into that situation. And to love one another. To do it with gentleness. It's your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.